up, everybody? My name is James DeFiore, and this is Casual Friday. It has been a big week. It has been a tiring week. And a lot has happened behind the scenes that I, I can't even begin to explain how crazy and funny it was. Um, there is a guy uh, by the name of Brendan Russell who is apparently the president of the Riding Association for the Liberals in Vanier who tried to uh, get me and David Wallace to give him the Klondike papers by behind the scenes threatening to like destroy us and all these crazy things and I talked to this guy on the phone this is like a, a die in the wool liberal and and he was like yeah I just I just wanted to let you know that I, I wanted the Klondike papers and I think that um, it would be in your best interest to give it to me because I have a lot of clout at the liberal party and I was just like I, okay like what I'm probably not going to send it to you, but um, you might be able to find it online. Uh, but but why why do you want to do this? And he's like, "Well, you know, James, I think I think I can be valuable to you in the long run, and I and I think that you might want to take advantage of my standing in the Liberal Party." And then I got off the phone and I called David Wallace, and I'm like, "Fuck, David, who the fuck is this guy?" And he's just like, "This guy was apparently pretending to be David Wallace's agent last year, trying to land him a book deal, but doing a very bad job of it." Um, let me let me try to set up a, a certain context for everybody listening at home. There are people in the uh, ecosystem of politics that nibble the edges of the insiders, but never really quite get there. Who do things that are like can only be compared to like mischief and vandalism. Um, they want to feel like they're part of something. They want to feel like they are part of the machine that makes the behind the scenes of politics run so they can like feel good about themselves and masturbate to their own greatness later on in life or something but really they don't have any pull at all so i call this guy and i'm just like uh hey brendan it's james defury calling and he seemed a little shocked actually because he at this point of this phone call he he had only talked to david and david was like i i don't know what you want but um, i'm getting off the phone because you tried to screw me last year and and i don't like you so then I call him and I'm like, hey, Brandon, it's James DeFury. And he's like, oh, uh, uh, hey, James, how, how, how's it going? And I said, I, I'm well. Um, why are you calling David Wallace and, and asking for the Klondike papers again? Oh, well, uh, I just thought that maybe David would like to give me the Klondike papers uh, because I, I know a lot of things. And uh, I just thought he'd be interested in the things that I know. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, what kind of things do you know? And he's like... Well, you know, uh, I'm not sure if I can say it over the phone because a lot of this stuff is like classified things. And, and this is just, you know, one of those situations where I, I have a lot of inside knowledge and I, I might be able to like help you. But, I, you know, I, I was hoping I could get the Klondike papers in return. So then I, I got off the phone with him. I called David back. I'm going to put David on in a second. And I was like, David, um, this guy thinks that um, I'm supposed to give him the Klondike papers. And... And, and I don't want to give it to him yet. And, uh, and and what do you make of all this? And he's just like, I think that guy's an idiot. Let's do a show on him and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know if he's worth a show. So I called this guy back and I'm like, hey, Brandon, um, I'll give you the Klondike papers if you can give me an interview with Christia Freeland utilizing your big time connections that I know you have at the Liberal Party because you told me you had them. And he's like, James, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to call Christia's Christia's, not Miss Freeland, 
not Christina Freeland, but Christina's. I'm going to call Christina's people, and I'm going to see if I can get this interview for you. And that was four days ago, and nothing has happened because Brendan is a lying piece of shit. Here to join me now on Casual Friday is Paul Atkinson from the Eager Beaver Podcast. How you doing, Paul? I'm good, brother. How about yourself? Not too bad. And Mr. David Wallace himself. How you doing, brother? Cheers, pleasantly. Are you uh, going to say stuff? Numb. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> okay. Um, David, we Absolutely. were going to do a We've show on this guy, but stuff to say. But he's not worth a show, is he? Uh, David, you're, I'm going to you know, keep I've going. Never you're going to come back in because there's a massive, words. there's a massive delay. Okay, Paul. Yeah, there's a big delay. Yeah. How are you doing, brother? I, I, how was how was your week been? Uh, uh, this is Casual Friday. This, uh, we're going to be very casual today. There's so much happening, and I'm very giddy. So please, mm. uh, how you? Been? Uh, it was a uh, well. Anybody who tuned into the morning show would know it was quite a busy week for me. I had to I had to go into the office a few days early this week because. Now that it's mid-September, uh, everybody's back in the office, and it's really busy for me. Not complaining, it's just really, really busy. So my work uh, workload has gone way up as a result. I'm okay with that, but, uh, yeah. you know, the week before it was a lot quieter, so this week I was running at 100-meter uh, pace, and uh, I'm tired. <laughs> I like the red in the background. I feel like okay. there's going to be a woman dancing back there any moment. <laughs> No, I'm solo tonight. I'm solo tonight. Let's see if David doesn't have a delay anymore. Hello, David. Hey, how are you? Can you hear me? Yeah. I can hear you. How is the delay? Are you good? Are you... Is the delay big? No, I I just got a little glitch on your end. That's it. Nope. There's nothing going on with my end. I got Elon Musk internet, my friend. Everything is <laughs> ship shape over here. Um. I didn't as I was as I was saying before I I'd, I'd never heard of this guy until last year uh and he contacted the the gentleman who does the really amusing TikToks Callum, Callum? Callum hold yeah. on hold on a second uh, for those just joining us we're talking about Brendan Russell this plucky 20 something that decided that they were going to try to be part of the behind the scenes political dark arts movement that he thinks exists in Canada go ahead David so uh, I guess he contacted Callum, who had done some TikToks on the Klondike Papers, and uh, told him he was uh, he was my agent, and I was shopping a book deal or something of that. So Callum and I cooked up a little something and caught him out in his lie. I'd never spoken to the guy, yeah. And uh, we clowned him, and then this time he sent me through those messages. I didn't know who he was that you were referring to, and uh, I, I mean. Uh, first of all, I, I mean, the kids got to realize these papers were probably within the hands of the office of the PMO and the opposition about 15 minutes after they hit the journalist's hands. Mm -hmm. Well, we actually know they were, don't we? Uh, and we won't I won't yeah. say how, how we know on air, but but they were sent to a staffer of the PMO uh, about a day after they they came out. Correct. Yep. They were indeed. So, you know, this guy is way. And that, listen, that that's what I find so funny about the story is that. Um, and politics is weird. You know who else was like this? De uh, Debbie Jodwin. She's another one of these people who's like, she's like nibbling the edges of politics. You know, she was a volunteer on a bunch of campaigns and she wanted to be part of something so bad that she fucked over everyone she's ever worked for in order to feel like she was in the mix. But she was actually useful oh. to me. D please go on. 
Well, she was a great snitch. I mean, uh, during the whole Patrick Brown debacle, I, I couldn't get her to shut up. It was like a $2 tie hooker. Not saying that she was a, a, a prostitute. Not at all. I'd never met her face to face just uh, over the phone. But, uh, man, I knew about everybody's dirty laundry the first hour I spoke to her. Yeah, no, she was wow. like that. I, I've talked to her uh, several times back in the Patrick Brown days anyways. And uh, and then she became the person who... Um, who tanked Patrick Brown, uh, his leadership bid for the federal liberals, um, paid for by Pierre Poiliev. Mm-hmm. And then my favorite part of that story is- Allegedly. Way- yeah, nah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite part of that entire story about uh, Deb Jodwin, um with the whole uh, uh, Patrick Brown leadership campaign that was tanked, uh, isn't the fact that uh, Pierre Poiliev ended up paying her legal fees. It's the fact that they wanted to keep her name anonymous for enough time for her to sink Jean Charest's campaign, who she then went to after she fucked over Patrick Brown because they because Pierre Prolev wanted to see if he can get a twofer. And then when Jean Charest found out her name, immediately fired her and distanced himself from her so he didn't get blamed for being the one that put her on the Patrick Brown campaign. Like, like listen... It, I don't like Pierre Polyev. You don't like Pierre Polyev. But as far as the political black op goes, he got away with it. Right, David? Oh, absolutely. I mean, why not? I mean, if it's if it's worked two or three times before, especially Patrick Brown is the Charlie Brown of the political world. I mean, they keep putting that football there and he keeps landing on his ass every time. Yeah, it's it's, it's actually quite humorous. Uh, yeah, he, we're we're all trying to kick the football, and and Pierre Polyev is Lucy, um, and it's 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 a very uh, crazy thing. I I want to shift gears for a second here because I don't know if anyone remembers uh, me having Karima sat on the show last year. I don't remember what month it was. It could have been even this year at the beginning of the year. Maybe it was January. Um, I had Karima and this guy named Danny Taro, and Danny Taro, I guess, is this like small time podcaster even smaller than me you know like like no one knows who he is um but like one of these self-righteous guardians of left-wing orthodoxy who was one of these people who was like i don't think karima should go to the drag queen story time because she's not championing the position that we're championing like for this is one of those people where there's only one of two positions right and um i had danny and karima sort of square off on my show and uh, in hindsight, it was one of my worst shows for me personally because I, I didn't stay. This is one of the things that I hate about um, these self-righteous left-wingers. And I'm not talking about all left-wingers. I'm talking about the self-righteous left-wingers. So this guy trashes Karima. Uh, and then uh, I guess he lost his job and tried to blame Karima. And now he's raising money on the fact that he claims falsely that Karima cost him his job. I'm going to play you a clip from this self-righteous left winger. And you, the audience, can tell me in the comments. And David, we'll get, we'll, we'll get your comments as well. If you think that this guy was fired because Karima trashed him or because of what he says here. Remember, this is a self-proclaimed left-wing good guy who's saying the following and here he goes you never know who will get served next says uh karima and i mean honestly this is 
this how do you say it? this is loose pussy energy this is like really big loose pussy energy why do you gotta, always got to be serving people with this with the like legal documents and then i always hear about the documents getting served and then i never hear about like oh the case got resolved i never hear about like uh karima dropped the case or, or, or anything and served and then people finding out like oh these papers i got served with are like not even like legitimate and they don't mean anything i'm pretty sure that is that is the case so loose pussy energy um which is a new phrase i just invented and i you know i coined it here um why serve papers when you could be serving cunt truly like I okay listen i am not Good a political god right i am not a politically collect correct person as everybody knows mm-hmm. but that was some of the most misogynistic shit i have ever heard loose pussy energy talking about karima coming from a guy who's never looked better than when he had terminal cancer mm-hmm. um when he didn't have any facial hair or or head hair now he just looks like a a, a bus shelter uh inhabitant <laughs> Um, and, and, and the fact that he would use such misogynistic sexist terms to describe Karima, who's yeah. literally one of the best people that I know inside and out, um, is, is, is a crystallized perfect example of the shittiness of the far left. And I am just completely floored that this guy has the gumption to, to call himself a progressive when he champ when, when, when he proudly proclaims that he coined the term when talking about karima loose pussy energy when you are quote serving up cunt paul please what, tell me just, what am i missing here that's extreme man like look distasteful i just i don't i don't even know what to say to that that's about as sexist as it could possibly be um, Greg Van Leuven asks, who says he's a lefty? He, he only, he's, he's a self-proclaimed socialist, uh, in, in, in he's, listen, there's bad people on the left, Greg. Mm-hmm. I, I think we, we have to start getting into the mindset that there are shitty people and they hail from all, all parts of the political spectrum. I'm sure, although I haven't ran into too many, but I'm sure there are a shit ton of shitty centrists that I'm going to have to take to task because I am also a centrist. Mm-hmm. D- uh, David, um, as a person, I'm pretty sure you're politically ambidextrous. You know, you lean one way on some ways, on some issues and one way on other issues. When you hear shit like that, is that not one of the main issues that you have with politics nowadays is that um, sometimes the people that say that they have uh, history on their side feel then entitled to be complete fucking assholes like that guy? Well, it's certainly depressing now that I'm not really in the game anymore. But when I was, it was a uh, it was like a gift falling down from the sky. Um, you have to understand the radical left and the radical right are the most militant, the most likely to vote, the most lead, uh, the most to lead causes that would cause people who would otherwise not vote to vote. Um, so, marketing to extremists on either side of the equation is dead simple because you're not really um you're not expending a lot of effort the message is the message they've already bought it hook line and sinker they equate 
a political stance with their own personal beliefs hmm. and beliefs are not political by nature. Mm -hmm. uh, Jen Waddell, a girl after my masturbating um, alter ego says men with tiny dicks love to use loose pussy energy because they hate it when people use big dick energy. Um, you owe me some lotion and tissues, Jen Waddell, but thank you for that. Uh, it, but it's true. It, 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 David, what you said nails it. Like when people think that they're on the right side of an issue, they give themselves license to be heinous, heinous people just like that. We see it from the right all the time. It's, it's much easier to, to, to spot on the right because they do um, less. They, they, they exert less effort trying to hide their heinousness, I think. Whereas the left, yeah, they're not trying to stand up for anybody, but they're rich friends. They don't give a fuck. That's right? yeah. yeah. Whereas the left uh, try to maintain this idea that they are um, the good guys, and then say shit like that, using the fact that um, th they're on the right side of history as their shield, as they say things that a Nazi would say or whatever the fuck, like, mm -hmm. like not a Nazi, but a, a complete like a pig, like. I, I am I'm just and that guy is like the he's just this little twerp yeah you know, like he you know he's not even a thing but people love it and, and that's why that's what I don't like about the ideological left and right is that they they excuse themselves from the worst types of behavior because they think they're on the right side of an issue you know Paul like I, you've ran into that before yeah oh god yeah well and the the thing about it is that that troubles me so is is the state the world's in when it comes to you know, I have a TikTok and my TikTok is all about positive, positive mental health, trying to be good. It doesn't sell. It just doesn't sell. But you, if you start spewing hatred and, and putting out terrible messages and saying bad things, people hop all over that. I'm like, this is, this is an upside down world. When good does bad at the box office and bad breaks the blockbuster. It's a blockbuster. It's like, this just, what the... Yeah. What the fuck is going on? It, it's it, when when people um, when when people like when people on the far left talk about how like in Charlottesville, for example, when um, it was so out in the open, all of these self-proclaimed Nazis and racists were walking around saying, "You will not appraise, uh, mm -hmm. uh, replace us," and all that kind of stuff. That is like really in-your-face racism. You don't have to fucking use your imagination or whatever. No. And, and you saw in their faces as they marched with their fucking Home Depot tiki torches that they were, like, giddy that they could be in public saying this shit. What you just saw from Danny Taro is that version on the left. Yes. Where they feel so strongly that they are right about something that they get giddy that they can be evil towards somebody in public and not have to pay a price for it. And, and it's crazy. Um, and, and, you know... It, it's amazing. Karima is going to join us soon, by the way, and she's going to she's going to talk about it. I, she wanted me to play that clip before she came on because she didn't want it to seem like, well, whatever. Who would want yeah. to play that clip while you're sitting there? No, you know, like no. It, it, it is crazy. Um, David, um, can you uh, do you want to talk about the appointment that you didn't have <laughs> this week? No, because I've uh, rescheduled that. So. Oh. oh. Okay. Rest assured that I think that that things are are going to uh, move forward. Uh, which way? I don't know, but uh, yeah, we're moving forward with that, which is good in ways because it'll give me a little uh, uh, autonomy, so mm -hmm. to speak. 
No and, one knows uh, what you're talking about, so it fucking doesn't even matter now. Like people are like, <laughs> no, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Well, you know, it'll open up a world of possibilities. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go out west and pay a visit to uh, a couple some people. old old haunts. That would be fun. That, can you please film that again? Yeah, please. There's a video that came out recently of the former justice minister of Alberta, Jonathan Dennis, um, and Who? Uh, Jonathan Dennis and Maurizio yeah. and Maurizio Torigno, who's I guess a landlord, um, like evicting or whatever you want to call it a pay a tenant that has been all paid up by throwing their belongings onto the street and jonathan dennis Imagine is wandering that. in the background with like a mint green shirt on going i, I don't even know what's happening here like <laughs> alberta is so fucked and funny because there's an ecosystem of corruption there that includes judges and mm -hmm. lawyers mm -hmm. and former justice ministers and cops cops and, yeah yep. and they all feed each other and, uh, and look, uh, let, let's let's see if I can explain something without getting sued. Um, there are, I'm not going to name who they are. There are two or Fuck three. Fuck them. There, there are like three. Well, I'm not going to name them. And please don't name them. Pardon my language. Yeah. But there, <laughs> I'm not going to. There's like three people some in Alberta who have a system, a, a very shady, underhanded system to entrap people into lawsuits. And how they do this is they spoof their emails and they make it seem like somebody is sending an email that is like equal to threatening or extortion and then they'll sue the person for extortion. Another uh, method that they have is to send emails to other people um, purported to be from one of them, but then pretending it isn't, baiting the person that they're sending the email to to say something about them and then sue that person for defamation. And they have successfully done this like several times to the point where I'm told that there is a class action lawsuit. I just found this out tonight. A class action lawsuit uh, made up of all of these victims of this like gang of corrupt fuck faces who have been doing this for years. And um, a, I might be a part of that class action lawsuit because it happened to me. And again, I, please don't say their name because I don't want to fucking deal with another thing. No, I don't know if I've been sued by them yet. Uh, I don't know. And and I, then again, uh, I wouldn't try to extort anything. I don't want one penny from those pigs. No, no, not. not I want something else, and I'm going to take it. I don't want to. Let's not justice. ask a follow up question. Justice. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Just ice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let, let them have Alberta. No offense, but Jesus Christ, man. I mean, there's not even a puddle there. You, I mean, you die thirst. Fuck it. There's no, fall. there's no, Bye. there's no anti-slap. No offense to the good people there. There's no anti-slap legislation in Alberta, which is how these mm -hmm. guys are able to get away with all this shit. Um, you know, like they, they, these are rich people that, that fuck over people that don't have money mm -hmm. and, and, and use the legal system against them the way that you used to be able to do in Ontario. And, uh, what they did to me was they they sent me emails um, that obviously appeared that they were from these people and admitted to things. And then when I reported that they admitted to these things, they went around and then sued me for defamation, claiming that they never sent me these emails. And that's what and that's what they did. Right. And, and here's the weird thing. I was never served papers. Right. And I would get I, I would get these things in the mail that said that I had to pick up something at the post office. And I just never went to pick it up. And yeah. then all of a sudden, like literally like less than a month later, 
I got a default judgment from a court in Alberta saying that I owed this person 50 grand <laughs> because they have judges that are part of their ecosystem that would mm. sign off yeah, on something person, like that. Despite the, the fact that I, despite the fact that I didn't even get the papers to begin with, all of a sudden I had a default judgment against me for 50 G's. And I'm just like, I'm the same way. I got a dummy email address. So I guess the person, whoever opens it up, informed me. They said, hey, something's addressed to somebody here saying a default uh, judgment by the Wenzels against you. I didn't even know the case had gone to trial because I couldn't afford a lawyer. I don't give a shit. I'm still playing your tapes there, old lady <laughs> and, and sunny boy. I'll be playing your tapes when the next special that James and I are doing, the Klondike Papers or whatever we're going to name it, the index the podcast series that we're going to do that we're going to record starting on Sunday. And um, yeah, all the tapes coming out, all the awesome. stuff, all the stuff that I gave to people to stash before yeah. I went down and dumb, dumb Allen and, and uh, Gerald thinks they, they wipe things clean. Well, and Brad Mitchell yeah, stand by because we got a big surprise. For oh you, my God, Brad, Brad Mitchell. I forgot about that story. That's crazy. And, and by the way, I, I have a new tagline for myself that we are also going to include as the tagline for this podcast series and because i deal with cults and because i do a lot of work behind the scenes that a lot of people don't know about and because i'm doing this with david um my new tagline is if you're not gonna kill me get the fuck out of my way <laughs> because i feel like there's a lot of people out there that are like dangerous and they like to threaten they like to send private investigators to my house and literally now, I whenever I see a, a weird car driving by slow, I stand outside like this now with my arms out, and I'm like, if you're not going to kill me, get the <laughs> fuck out of my way, please, and thank you. And on that note, Karima Sad joins us. Karima, how are you? Hi. That's a good tagline. I might yes. adopt that as well. Yes, you may adopt. That, that I is think literally a lot of people will take me up on offer so i think every human being could use <laughs> oh, a tagline like if you're not going to kill me get the fuck out of my way like it, it's it's really for humanity itself it's not it's not just for me and you um karima did i played the clip of danny taro saying all that stuff or whatever i would like to get your take on the the collapsing narrative of the far far left when they proclaim themselves to be the good guys, and I'm including people like the Anti-Hate Network and all this kind of people like that in, into this pile of people, where they claim to be the good guys and then use such misogynistic language to get a point across. What point? I don't yeah, know. What, what, point. what point? There was no point there. <laughs> he was just being a pig. Touche, touche. I stay yeah, corrected. So whatever, they're hypocrites. What do you want me to say? They're hypocrites. Um, yeah, but people it comes, don't it comes it. through very clearly. People don't mm. want to see it because they themselves are hypocrites, right? And they buy into whatever, oh, I like this about them, so I'm going to turn the other way for this. But there's no consistency. There's no rigor. There's no ethics or values. Um, so it really boils down to that. I, I have no expectations of any of these people. Um, just as it's an politics in a nutshell, boiled down to its very essence. You know, the, the, with the four of us here, I, 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 Paul, I don't know if you're like this, but I know that David and Kareem and I are like this. Like, we are, and I think, Paul, you're like this too. Like, the, there's no ideology on this panel right now. And yet, I feel like all of us kind of like have really strong progressive ideals. Yet, um, people that like really want to shout from the hilltop that they're progressives would pro probably describe all of us as Nazis. 
Especially me and you, Paul, because of our haircuts. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. My follically challenged pate. Yeah. You know, the, right. the thing is, I've been called all kinds of names in the last couple of years, and I don't give a shit about what people think. People are going to think whatever they want to think, and many of them will draw their own conclusions based on a 30-second soundbite. I'm 55 years old. There's a little bit more to me than a 30-second soundbite, number one. Number two, I've always been a left-leaning progressive. Hmm. Always. And I've voted for Green, NDP, progressive conservative, and liberals in the past, all dependent upon the riding I was in and the best candidate in that, in that situation. I'm definitely uh, left of center, but I'm not far left. And a lot of my progressive conservative friends who are right of center, we're, we're like literally this far apart on our, yep. our furthest distance on any issue, like literally, you know, and, and, and some people will say I'm, I'm, I'm because I'm centrist. They're like, well, you just don't want to, you don't, don't want to take a stand on anything. And I said, no, that's not true. I take a stand on a lot of things and I will do so uh, until I no longer draw breath. Come on. I was just in pride parade. I just, I was the MC and the DJ for the office. I was right at the front. It's like, come on. And I'm, I'm proud to do that, to take part and support my friends and my colleagues and my neighbors. I was out in the streets yelling at idiots who were torturing us because that was wrong. But if, unless I'm extremely left or extremely right to certain groups of people, they'll call me, you know, Nazi or whatever they want. And I don't even care. I don't give a damn what they say. They can say whatever they want. They can continue to continue to do it. And they will. Doesn't hurt me. I, I got called a Nazi this week because I said that it wasn't really that big of a deal that Pierre Polyev said some shit over the PO in a West. Oh, Coast. I didn't give a shit either. I said so on the I, show the other day. I don't care. Yeah. I was just like, like, did I agree with what he said? No. No. Did, did he sound smarmy and cheesy? Yeah. Yep. Do, do I think he's a fucking evil, horrible person for doing it? No. And people no. were like, Nazi. I'm like, what the fuck? I, I can't. I, 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 I thought it was a dick move, and everything he said was typical smarmy Pierre Polyev bullshit. You know what I was most offended by uh, uh, with that speech on the plane? The fact that he so telegraphed mm. in a painful way an opportunity to use his tagline. <laughs> Bring it home. I didn't, I didn't even watch big problem that. You're talking to me. What's that, right? That's the big problem that we're talking about. This is a reason to hate this guy. Um. We conveniently oh, ignore the fact other reasons. that we could point and say, hey, this guy is not right? Like he's voting. Mm -hmm. Like voting against gay oh, yeah. marriage. Uh, look at the actions that he's actually taken that are not opinion. No, I can mm -hmm. argue them. It's his voting record. How come nobody ever questions these politicians on their, their voting records? Simple. They don't know their voting records. That's, That's what the easy answer to that. Yeah. I'm still, I'm, I'm it's more literally the, the easiest thing to find. Yeah, it is. I, I, I am, I hate the 65% of people that didn't vote in the last Ontario provincial election mm -hmm. more than I hate Doug Ford. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm that guy. I, I just like, because you know that that 65% that didn't vote, the vast majority of them don't like Doug Ford. Mm hmm bitch about him constantly yet didn't actually show up on voting on on, on the election day to vote that's well, who, I, I, who mo most of my animosity is i call into question if that was heavily influenced by uh polls that were released right up until the moment of the election uh 
because they were saying, oh, he's going to win a landslide victory. He's going to win. And I'm like, I'm sure a lot of people just said, well, fuck it. My vote doesn't count and stayed home. Mm -hmm. I said this morning on the show, I do not think that, uh, you know, we're supposed to have a tight election schedule. It's not really the case, but we're supposed to. Every four years we have six months before the election, polling should not be released to the public at all. Because it can heavily influence, and I'm sure that's why Doug Ford won his landslide victory with 17%. I think you're right. Um, Karima, I'm going to throw you in a second. I I, I think that the... Yeah. Yeah. But the idea that... um, I, I. even though I agree with everything you said, Paul, I, I think I think that polls should just not exist in the month leading up to an election. I, I, I would really much prefer that because of what you just said. But I still have enough uh, animosity towards the, the, the voter at large for being so susceptible to that that they would just be apathetic when it comes to Election Day. I, I, I'm one of those guys. I don't know. Karima, how do you feel about that? Um, yeah, I, I think generally polls, like people aren't always math oriented. I think very few people are math oriented. Um, And so the utility of polls for anyone outside of the campaign team, uh, I would say is a net negative because they don't understand them and Mm. then just sort of rely on an interpretation that's not accurate. And as as you pointed out, um, get discouraged, you know, before it even starts. So... Um, one of the um, actually w- one of the main facets of of an election campaign is advertising. And so I, I think it's a, uh, apropos that we have uh, one of the best adver- creative advertising people in the game today. His name is Paul Riss. Paul, how are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Have you? I'm well, thank you. I, I, you've done a lot of work for like car companies and for all these big corporations and stuff. Have you ever actually been tasked to do any advertising for uh, an NGO or a political campaign ever? Uh, no, I've actually never worked on political stuff. Oh, uh, that's good. Good for you. Yeah, no, I, I just don't, I don't think, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think like, like when you look at all the advertising, it's always like, oh, this person's terrible and this person's terrible. Like um, actually quite like uh, following Singh, but he's like, constantly posting about how uh, uh, Pierre and and, Tr- and Trudeau are not going to do anything about this grocery thing and I, I don't I don't know just he doesn't speak enough about himself he focuses so much on what's bad about the others is that sort of the idea yeah and, and I find that's like it's super obvious in American politics um, but like it's here too like they just would rather like, I'd rather you tell me about yourself than hack down the other person. Cause like, I can just find out what that person's, um, what their, what their policies are. I can just go to their website and find out everything that I need to know about what they think. And I can make those other judgments, but why, why wouldn't you, like, it doesn't always work out well for brands when they say McDonald's, like Burger King doesn't say McDonald's is shit. Usually like every once in a while they jab at each other, but they say, our burgers flame broiled because it's it's and it's fucking better because of that, and that's like what like really good advertising doesn't usually hack some other thing entity down. It talks itself up, and that that's what I feel like they should do. It drives me nuts. Like I can't even hardly watch them anymore because they're all at each other. 
Yeah. I, I, I think you I think you're right. I think you nailed it. I also think I can hardly watch Singh, not because I find him um to be uh unwatchable, but because he's invisible. I, I don't I don't know where he is. I don't know if it's the media's fault for not following him enough or if he's just not being compelling enough. Paul, I don't know if you feel the same way about Jagmeet Singh, but Listen, I, I ran into him in the airport uh, a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, and I was like, "Hey, Jagmeet," and he and um, he recognized me from the last time that I met him when we talked about the this article that I wrote where he um, he didn't really distance himself from these uh, uh, from the extremist group uh, in in uh, in India, I, the separatist group whose name Tamil uh, Tigers right now, Khalistani or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and I was like, "Listen, buddy, like." do yourself a favor and say shit that's going to get traction. And he started laughing. By the way, he's pretty short. He's a lot shorter than mm-hmm. you think in person. But really? um, I thought he would be tall. I no, know. He's not that tall. You think so, but he's not. I'm, I'm 5'6", and we were pretty much at eye level. Maybe a little bit taller than me. That's it. But I was trying to explain to him my, my opinion, which he obviously right. doesn't have to take at all. Like, who am I? But I never hear from him until it's like, weeks later about an issue that was talked about weeks ago. Paul, what, what do you think Jagmeet's problem is? Do you think the media just doesn't pay attention to him, or do you think he's just not good enough at getting the media's attention? I, I think one of the issues is that he just continues to play the same insult game that Polyev does. He blames Trudeau for everything and then turns around the next day and says, we just signed a deal. Like, dude, you're yeah. flip-flopping more than, than Skippy is, which is not good for politics, not good for a leader, and not going to convince me to ever vote NDP. I, I, when he first got in, I had such great feelings for him because I liked what he had to say, but now he just plays the same blame game time and time again, and it just doesn't work for me. And I've met him. He's a charming guy, good-looking fella, uh, solid as a rock. I'm, like, I don't know, this much taller than him or something. He's, you know. Uh, we we have breaking news. Um, the, in the chat right now, we have a troll. His name is his or her name is No. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's saying you're saying Jugmeat's name wrong. You fucking idiot! It's not pronounced the way it's spelled. I just pronounced it the correct way, and I admit that I'm guilty of accidentally pronouncing it Jagmeat instead of Jugmeat. And I would just like to say to No, thank you for the correction. Um, cheers. Um, anyways, uh, Karima, <laughs> can you give me your take, and then we'll go to David about what you think. Jack Jug meets Singh's problem is uh, as far as this um, ecosystem that we're dealing with right now in politics, where he literally seems like the afterthought that you're like, oh yeah, that guy exists. What, what what's going on there? Well, I think part of it is this um, the alliance that they established with the liberals means that you know his opinion really is an afterthought, um, right? It, it, it took I think some of the steam out from what he could otherwise be doing and that collaborative approach which you know is not inherently a bad thing but in the game that we have um, makes it so he's a bit more irrelevant and then the actual messaging uh, is not really in line with I I guess what the NDP used to ought to at one time maybe did um stand for uh it it, pierre polyev if you ignore the fact that it's him saying it and you just take the messaging um some of that is is a lot more 
in line with what we could be hearing from the NDP leader and just aren't. Um, I think that he also falls into this trap of being a bit reactionary and into the culture wars in a way that's not meaningful or substantial. So he's a lot easier to disregard. If we think of politics in terms of the way that it's sort of been like the status quo uh, over the last, like, say, 30 years, uh, uh, Karima, I, I'm asking you this question because I know that David will just say burn the whole fucking thing down. So we'll get to you, David, in a second. <laughs> but um, <laughs> and Paul too. Um, but is there a um, a stroke? Uh, is there was there an opportunity for Justin Trudeau, given the sharp turn to the right that Pierre Polyev has taken, to reestablish the Liberals as a centrist party after they had clearly, over the last eight years, had um, at least. Uh, in words, had drifted more to the left? Um, maybe, but I don't think he has the backbone to do that. Mm. Uh, and I think that resiling from, you know, where they're at right now will be perceived and interpreted as itself a swing to the far right because everyone has lost all sense of nuance and common sense. Um, so I, I think that he is sort of stuck in that quagmire as a result. David, give me the burn it to the down, the burn it to the ground speech, because uh, I know actually you and I have talked about the NDP before about how it's like they don't even have a fixer. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like they don't have any behind the scenes. No, the, the, the problem is be doing anything. They don't have any will alliance that was spoken of that they've struck i don't i don't care what the demons are when you hold the hammer you use it and if you don't use it it's because you lack the political or the balls to use it and then so what is this alliance um what function is it is it providing ndp constituents ndp uh, supporters He's made his party into it's not a serious contender. And that is a complete failure at messaging. It's complete failure policy. Um, you mentioned that uh, these all they do is attack their opponents because they have nothing to say. Yeah. And right now we're dealing right now. Nothing we're dealing to say. With it's a, all about dealing with what we could do. And again, you, yeah. you mentioned the, uh, uh, the messaging with Polyev. You take all emotion out of it. Little Weasel is saying a message that can at least convince those, and I'm not saying that derisively, I'm talking about real conservatives, to hold their nose just long enough to vote for him because the messaging is on point. They know this guy's full of shit. They know he's a clown. He's our clown, and it's manageable because this other guy... Mm -hmm. over in Ottawa is burning this place to the ground. And I also, if he does, and he's damned if he doesn't, they have drifted so far, so far left of center that they literally can't go back. And any change at all in their message will, will just sink them further into the hole. The problem is we don't have any politicians today who actually say what they believe, reading a script, and without conning the public, some things with some things they're not. 
builds a consensus among the voting public by bringing enough forward to the table that everybody because nobody's perfect and these people are far less that's it rant over yeah I, I, I tend to agree with that. David, if you could go out and then come back in because you're a little choppy right now. But, Paul, I know you've never done an ad campaign for a politician, but since you are our resident expert advertising guru, what would you advise uh, someone like a Jagmeet Singh who seems to be invisible in order to, like, get people to start looking at him again? I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but, like, I, I'm just curious what your mind would be. Like, how, how would you handle that situation? Well, I mean, when I when I do this with brands, I like try and find their um, like, is there a I just I call it a category of one. Is there a category of one? Is there a thing that 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 in a politician's case, I guess, is, it, is there something that you want to do for people or that you want to accomplish that the other people are not going to talk about it? It will then be, um, you know, more memorable in that in that way. So there's that. But, but then there's also, there's the other thing I already touched on, which was like, tell me about you. Don't tell me what I already know about that other person. Like, exactly. Like, it feels like they're always preaching to the choir when they do that, too. It's like, what? Yeah. try it. You know what? You got, if I'm on that line, you got my vote. Like, try and convince somebody you don't have, you know? Um, and then the, the other thing is, like, be consistent, I think, is another thing that I would say is really important. And... Um, what Mike, who's like out right now, was talking about, uh, like actually believe in something and and say that thing, and don't just say what you think is gonna get you the votes. Say what you really believe and what you really want to do. And if your country feels that way, or by and large, then you'll win. Paul, like, what, what what about taking risks? Like like I remember um, talking to you like third like 25 years ago or whatever and we were talking about ad campaigns i i just remember a, a, just a single conversation you probably don't remember this but it was whatever we've had thousands of conversations but this particular one was about how brands um and there is sort of like a um uh not a status quo but a uh, a, a a unwritten rule that when you're talking about marketing your brand you don't want to use negative words you don't want to use um, certain phrases because you don't want your brand associated with something negative. And then Buckley's came out with, it tastes awful, but it works, right? <laughs> Is there a risk that do you think that politicians um, can, can, do you think that politicians can take bigger risks with how they deliver their message where it might not be what you'd expect from a political campaign, especially if you follow the sort of orthodoxy of good messaging that they're not utilizing right now like can, can you think you know is doesn't the bigger the bigger the risk isn't that the bigger the payoff when it comes to certain things and don't you think that we don't see enough of politicians or parties or whatever taking bigger risks with how they campaign and how they message to the to the people yeah because i i, I think that you're correct in that like you you do want to Buckley's was they they were just like telling the truth. They told you the mm. truth. It yeah, really does taste like shit. Stuff? Yeah, and oh. it looks like and it looks like cum. I'm sorry, it does. It does. Yeah, yeah. And that's like that's 
I, I assume that's what come tastes like. Too. Well, do you think that? Do you think that made? Do, do you think that, that? Do you think that was the cutting room floor tagline? It tastes yeah. like it looks like cum, but it's delicious or, or, or works yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, but they they did a thing. Sorry, there, right? I've never it, tried Buckley, so I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. it's don't. It's horrible. Just yeah. be sick. It's better being sick. <laughs> <laughs> but they they did a thing, right? And they really stuck to it. And they, they've been saying that for how long now? But probably longer than I've been alive. Yeah, but, thirty I years, mean, if not more. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so I'm a little longer than that, but they they stick to that thing right and brands that are really that are really smart do that right you know so way back when there was a bunch of car rental places mm -hmm. and and one of them was number one right they were the they were the biggest one i can't remember whether it was budget or i don't even remember the name of it hurts was it hurts yeah it could have been hurts could oh, have been the hurts. oj one uh <laughs> yeah, i don't know that was hurts drifty okay, that was hurts yeah that was hurts yeah. oh, amazing uh well they they um they came out with they they did the research and they're like fuck we, we're not number one we're not number one and a really smart ad writer said well if you're number two don't you try harder to get to number one than the other guy like they're resting avis. The world. yeah avis yeah you try harder yeah, well you remembered that right we try harder like that's just really really smart writing mm -hmm. And I, I feel like, yeah. but it's a little different with politics, right? Because you know, advertising is just a bunch of money and fake reality of I like this brand versus that brand. And like my my favorite conversation with another ad guy was, you know, you can have Coke and Pepsi if you want. Like you don't have to be a Coke person or a Pepsi. <laughs> you want? They're both there for you at all times. Like, talk but about I, talk about the original <laughs> polarization. Yeah, like Coke right? versus Pepsi. You know what I mean? Like Crazy, liberal man. versus conservative. Yeah. Well, well, the, the, challenge. Area. The, the problem with politics and I don't know, I, I would just sound probably super cliche, but I they're not in it for what they used to be in it for. Like, yeah. do you really feel like any of the politicians that you have voted for in the last, I don't know, decade or more, uh, are they um, are they saying what you want to hear or are they saying what they believe like are they really civil servants anymore well in my case where i live in center town ottawa yeah. right downtown uh my mp was ed broadbent then it was paul dewar and and now it's yasser nakfi uh and yasser's a decent enough mp but and i'm not going to take anything away from him. he was a pretty good mpp as well but uh between ed broadbent and Paul Dewar, these were men, and Paul Dewar still, not sorry, he passed away. Uh, Ed Broadbent lives in the neighborhood. He's only, he lives a couple of blocks from me. These were men who, when I went to cast my ballot, there was no doubt in my mind whatsoever that when I saw them in, in local debates, you know, right here in town, that they meant what they said, said what they meant, and, and stood by their word. And what sold me on Paul Dewar the first time was a group of us went to see the local candidates debate and they were they had a Q&A session afterwards with with the like a town hall if you will and there were some questions that were put forth and most of the candidates gave the uh, the, the typical response of that's a very good question I like that question very much and I will try and find an answer for that question but like what we should be doing whereas when you ask Paul Dewar a question he would answer it directly and if he didn't have an answer he would say I don't have the information to answer that correctly. Please give your name and number to this person and I will call you back. 
I will email you or call you. How you choose how you want me to contact you. I will, and he did that. Yeah. So these were, you know, in my, in my, the last 12 years of my life, 12, 14 years, when I went to cast my ballot in the federal election, I knew exactly who I was voting for. Yeah, that's but very those guys are very rare. That's very yeah. fortunate that you lived in a mm-hmm. riding like that because, yeah. Paul, just to get back to your point, um, I think you're talking about leaders more than uh, individual MPs. And I, I don't remember. But we don't feeling... vote for the leaders, though. Right. No, unless you live in the riding. A lot of people do vote for the leaders in a sense, because the, if they love Justin Trudeau, they'll vote for the liberal in their writing. But yeah, Paul, yeah, yeah. to your point, I haven't felt that a leader has represented something authentic and decent since Jack Layton was here. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, I was wondering I, when his name was coming up. Yeah. Um, but, but <laughs> I have felt that way about uh, Paul, to your point, when I voted in the 2015 election, when I voted for Nathaniel Erskine Smith, who was my MP in the beaches, and watched him vote against his own government three dozen times because oh, yeah. he's principled. Yep. And so I, I felt like that. Um, I want to shift gears here for a second. And Karima, when we come back from this clip, I'd like to get your thoughts on this because I watched, do you guys remember when Obama, um, after the Sandy Hook tragedy, he did a press conference in which he, he wiped his eyes and the and mega went ballistic before there was a mega but like the the far right went ballistic because they're like there were no tears and they they literally like took the sandy hook thing and made it seem um oh <laughs> uh, and they made it seem like they, like it was something that uh that he was staging in order to seem like he was uh sad about something the i saw danielle smith um, do a press conference where she also seemed to be choked up. And I, I want to play the clip, and then I want to get uh, whoever wants to give their opinion on, on what we're about to see uh, regarding Daniel Smith. So here's the clip on Daniel Smith. It's unimaginable pain, and I'm heartbroken by what these family families are going through. The teleprompter. Right now, the most important comfort I can offer is the promise that each sick child is getting the best possible care. And I would just like to thank all of the medical professionals who have been doing everything they can to treat and to heal. And to comfort these children and their families. I know that each affected family and all Albertans want to know what the root cause of the outbreak is. See, okay. I love Jen Waddell. I know her. She's a friend and she's a regular viewer. She says, she's talking about my comparison to the Obama thing. I'm not comparing the incident. I'm comparing the authenticity of, of, of the person giving the press conference and whether or not they're authentic in their tears. She says, false equivalency, dead, 26 dead children and six dead adults is not the same as an E. coli outbreak. But I, it's not my position that, who am I to say that Daniel Smith is faking crying? during that press conference. I don't like her. I don't like her policies. I, I don't think she's a good premier. But 
why does why would that impact my ability to be like you know what i'm not inside her head i don't know if she's being authentic with her tears or not why do i have to be cynical about watching a leader break down into tears paul what do you think about this me yeah Oh. Sorry, this is Paul. Well, My bad. Yeah, yeah you, can just call me, you can just call me punk. And then okay. yeah. Paul, Paul first, well, and then over to you, punk, after Paul. <laughs> so here, here's my personal thoughts on this. Uh, I think it was an act, and if she was upset at all, it was about the millions of dollars that could be lost by these companies if they get sued into oblivion by the parents. Um, and there goes donors, because some of the stuff I was reading about this organization today was they had multiple violations in the past for something similar. Luckily, nobody died or got horribly sick, but nobody was policing them. Kind of like long-term care homes here in Ontario. They shut down the inspections. I think it was an act on her part. And if, again, if she was genuinely upset, it was about the loss of money. That's my personal opinion. Uh, I I find that cynical, but go ahead, uh, Paul Riss. Yeah, I honestly don't really... No, <laughs> like I, I don't know. I'm so not following her, at, but, but I will say this, um, you know, I, I'm like kind of an emotional human being. Uh, James knows me yeah. and like that. He knows that I'm. My wife calls me a sociopath light, but it's just a joke. I mean, I'm like not really like that. I'm quite an emotional person, um, but like. I don't know, unless it was like my family member, I don't think I would be as broken up as she is. Like, I just think that, I don't know if that sounds crass. I hope not. No. But, you know, like, obviously the people that are, you're they're like the center of the onion, then the layers closer to you are going to affect you more than the ones that are way out. Mm. I mean, I feel this is a, it's, it's a crazy tragedy. It is awful. I would never wish this to happen anybody my worst enemy i wouldn't wish this to happen to however i i didn't cry because i don't, I don't have the emotional connection to all of those people mm. i can still feel empathy for them and and really and feel it that way but like it's not gonna it's not gonna tear me apart like what seemed to be happening there it was just a little weird i thought well, if, if you read uh, if you read nate pike from the breakdown um what he wrote about this it might stir a few emotions because he got into the details of what actually happened to some of these kids. Yeah. And it's really harsh, right? Really harsh. I read it today and it was like, I had to stop halfway through because it was like a punch to the gut. But again, I wasn't weeping over it. It was like, Jesus, this is horrible. This yeah. needs to be dealt with. Somebody needs to get sued. But I wasn't breaking down and crying. And I, I cry all the time at the yeah. littlest things. This yeah, was yeah, like what? somebody, I was angry. I was angry. Yeah, that's that's the thing, right? Like that, when I heard about that, I didn't, the, my first thought was, was how the fuck could somebody let this happen to the kids? How could somebody let that happen to kids? Mm-hmm. I didn't cry. I wasn't particularly sad, but I was really, really upset with however it happened. Like, I, I feel absolute empathy for those families. But had my cousin lived there and they lost their child, or if it was like, you know, it was my niece, I would be absolutely destroyed because the personal connection. And when you're talking about you were reading the stuff and you're 
going. I think you're building a bit of a personal connection there because like mm -hmm. you're making it's happening inside your head when you're reading it. You're you're if your brain works anything like mine, you're seeing pictures of it. Mm -hmm. All right. You're you're actually closer to experiencing it, I think, than hearing it. Some person on the news tell you about it. I mean, yeah, I, I understand both of your points. Um, the, the part that I struggle with is that. Uh, I can't say if Danielle Smith was being authentic or not. And I feel like it is better for me as an individual to give her the benefit of the doubt than to, to be cynical and say she was acting. I just well, feel like I have why I'm to so cynical, give her the though. benefit of the doubt. Go ahead. She said today, uh, I'm not going to go against uh, medical professionals and ruling and, and saying, I'm like, you told us to eat horse paste. Okay, but I don't think that's relevant to her crying while trying. But to she talk went. About this she issue. went against. She went against COVID vaccine restrictions. She went against all the COVID restrictions and health restrictions that were put in place. And in this instance today, she says, "Well, I'm not going to go against what the health professionals tell me to do." So what is it? I don't. But I think that's a distraction from the fact that did she have a moment where she felt emotional about what happened? And I don't think I, she I, did. It, then then that is crazy that 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 then she's the most if, if she didn't if that was an act then she is not even human and i have a hard time getting to that point i just feel like since i can't climb inside her head i can't mm. accuse her of being fake about that i have to give her the benefit of the doubt and, and if she's lying and i she took me for a ride and and whoever else believes her i'd rather be taken for a ride than be wrong about calling her an actress in that moment you know and, and i hear be, you i you know, hear you and that's uh and that's pretty much all i gotta say about that like she's you know she but by the way she's an awful premier <laughs> she's, oh. she's, she's terrible and it makes me wonder how many conservative men masturbate to her because i know they think that she's really attractive and that's when i think the real tears <laughs> should come because who doesn't need lubricant in the form of tears? Okay, on oh that. Um, yeah, sorry. I just yeah. It's, water I, I doesn't, it doesn't water doesn't work like oil, bud. No, oh, that's true. <laughs> Especially salt water. Yeah. I was just about to say there's a salt joke in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, wh Paul, what else is going on with you? Because I know that you, where are you right now? Like, I, you have two houses, right? You live like in uh, near Hamilton, and then Manitoulin Island. You have a place, right? Yes, yes. I, I'm I'm south right now. I'm in Hamilton right now. How big? Because I live north. I live in Killaloo, which is in the Madawaska Valley. Yep. Holy shit. How big were the fucking mosquitoes this year on Manitoulin Island? Because they were like the size of small children where I am. <laughs> okay, I, dude, I I am constantly blown away by this this fall. If I was out on my deck right now in Hamilton, I'd be getting eaten alive. I lived up north for two straight months and a little bit, and I got two mosquito bites up north. Are you serious? Yeah, man, they weren't bad this year. You know, it was so dry. Like when you have those dry yeah. years, there's less. But there's 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 like a lot of different. You should look into this further. There's a lot of different um, uh, species of mosquito. Actually, like mosquitoes aren't just mosquitoes, right? There's like many species of mosquitoes. Some of them are really tiny, and some of them are really big. But like. You should uh, find I out. Fi I find it poetic that only the females suck the blood out of your body. Yeah, the males are just basically useless. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 there you go. So there's, there's, there's good generalities on both sides of that. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this about the mosquitoes. Um, so I didn't say this. Oh, was that? Oh, that's the East Coast. That's the hurricane that, just that, off that the just coast. Below, of Nova uh, is that just below PEI or something? No, Nova Scotia. Oh wow, that's below Nova Scotia. That's so that's where we is. Oh, shit. saucy sea witch is very close to the edge of that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> So about mosquito bites, I'm just going to do, I don't know how many people are watching this right now, but I'm going to do everybody a favor right now. Uh, if, oh, I'm sorry. What was that? That was uh, not my me. Wife my wife texted Christ, me. Rachel. I was supposed to put it on do not disturb until tomorrow morning. Sorry. My, my, my apologies. So Rachel, if you get, the, 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 hold on, hold on. Your notification for Rachel is kind of like Rachel. <laughs> she knows how to command bit. attention yeah i'm here yeah. <laughs> um, it doesn't say that though it's just uh, i love paul's wife i i honestly would date paul's wife if paul was dead go ahead paul <laughs> <laughs> well you never know man i might be you yeah. know i had a motorcycle accident and i broke my collarbone but i'm, That's back. Right. I'm back i was this close yeah. motherfucker <laughs> yeah and i rode tonight so i'm back yeah. on the road uh, so oh, you who go. knows I might be dead sooner than Back later. to your uh, your riveting story <laughs> yeah, so about mosquitoes. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. rambling. Uh, so the mosquito thing, like the reason you're itchy, everybody knows this part. The reason you're itchy is because your blood is too thick to fit up that little tube mouth part of theirs. And so they inject you with an anticoagulant to like thin your blood a little bit so they can drink it, right? Right. That is what is itchy. That stuff they put in you is what you're allergic to. So... If you and, and it's also the it's it's like it works on um, agitation. If right. you do not scratch, it will burn like twelve suns laying on your skin for about three or four minutes, and then it will again when it goes away. You know, know how that. sometimes if you scratch it, it keeps coming back and keeps coming back and it keeps coming back. You're just ag agitating that shit again. I'm sure I like to it. squeeze it when they're still biting you and make them explode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you got if the, if the shit's in you, you're gonna be itchy. So you might as well, you know. Did you feed like, firecrackers to frogs too when you were young? No, no, I that's never not did a very that. good analogy. <laughs> not at all. It, but like, I, I might have. Those frogs started sucking my blood, and making me itchy. Right, <laughs> but that's like cats. Like you're not allergic to the hair on cats. You're allergic to the dried saliva on the hair on cats. Right, the dander or whatever that's yeah. called. Yeah, yeah, it's the same shit. Um, that was a good show. Let's wrap it here because uh, I I don't want it to go south when I say something even more offensive than whatever it was I said before about the tears. So, um, <laughs> you know, um, Paul Atkinson, Paul Riss, big thanks to David Wallace, big thanks to Karima who did the Irish exit, and I respect her for that. Um, thank you guys for joining me today on Blackwell. I really appreciate it, guys. Good times, brother. Have a good one. Yeah, thank you. Take care. See you later, Paul. See you. See you later, Paul. Um, thanks everybody. That was awesome. Um, Re, uh, give us an update on what's going on where you are. Cause I, 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 I hear that you're in the heart or the path of the eye of the hurricane. So I hope you're okay. Um, and, uh, I'm going to scroll down here and see what the comments say. Where's Saucy Seawitch? Okay. Well, either way, um, Re, uh, take some footage. <laughs> Don't die. But can you take some footage? Uh, I'm always one of these guys that wants to see what the hurricane looks like. Uh, I'm one of those guys that I would love to be a storm chaser as well. So 
in any event, uh, we thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Black Ball. Black Ball. Black 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 Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer. Such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. <laughs>